0: You're in the vault with Don River.
1: Welcome to the vinyl vault. Initiating Startup Sequence.
2: bit Of Stu Ham from his latest CD, The Diary of Patrick Xavier. And that's my boss drives a Mercedes, but I'm working for minimum wage plus tips. Gotta love those tips. Welcome back to the Vinyl Vaults, my friend. Your uh, one hour audio vacation from reality. This week we speak with a bass master, a bassist extraordinaire Stu Ham about his latest disc, his tour. He's coming to Toronto March the 28th playing the Garrison. All tour details are at slash tour. And I hope you enjoy our chat. We had a lot of fun, and you're going to hear some amazing new music like this track right here. Todd Miller in the Vinyl Vault, in conversation with the exclusive owner of the Weapons of Base Destruction, and contrary to the oral proof on his CDs, he does in fact only possess, well, eight fingers and two thumbs. Uh, He's also the composer of the track My Boss Drives a Mercedes, But I'm Working for Minimum Wage Plus. Coach... (laughs) <laughs> Tips. Oh, that's what the plus is. Uh, Coach Extraordinaire on fretboard fitness, which uh, I have yet to view. And I think later he and I are going for a smoke break. Stu Ham joins us in the Vinyl Vault. Thanks for spending some time with us, Stu. Hey, man! Thanks for
0: having me, Todd.
2: 2018 finds you uh, having recently released The Diary of Patrick Xavier and heading out for the Marathon Solo-Based Songs and Stories Tour, playing Toronto's The Garrison on March the 28th. Head over to StuHan.com and click on tour to see where he will be uh, residing near you. Uh, how you doing? How's the tour going?
0: Man, it's doing well. I've, uh, I've managed to avoid bad weather until like today. Um, but it's been great, man. Some, um, some new places I've played, some favorite old places. So I've got to see some good friends and uh, make a bunch of new ones. And um, the materials from the new album that I've been playing is uh, obviously new for the audience and new for me, and uh, they've been really been coming along, and it's been, it's been a blast.
2: Cool. Um, as usual, I'm going to pepper you with a difficult question to start, and here we go. Okay. What can we expect you to be wearing if we book a Skype lesson with you?
0: Oh, uh, you know, the Skype lesson. i will probably be in my living room, so I'll probably have on uh, some sort of shorts, but from the angle where I set my camera up, you can't see that, so I could be wearing a tilt or nothing at all, you never know. Because, so, uh, you know, I've got my Zoom Q8 set up, you know, as a non-mobile, you know, specifically for Skype lesson, and uh, probably some sort of T-shirt It's okay. probably black. And has the name of some club or bass company on it.
2: Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, I've got a few of those where uh, people give them to you, and they're like strings or guitar manufacturers, and they make up the besides the Beatles shirts, the the most of part, of, the biggest part of my wardrobe.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And they're also rotatable. Like you know, you'll have a cool club shirt, and you can wear them on the road, and then you can sort of ditch them because you know that you're going to get three or four on every tour anyway. And then you save the ones from the venues that were, or the other uh, events that are really nice, you know. And then I mean, I, I think in storage I've got a, a box of old Satriani tour T-shirts and stuff and those or, or used to be. Maybe now they're just moth-eaten know bits of cloth who knows. I may be able to check into that when I get off the road if that ever
2: happens clean your car with it. yeah if you ever get off the road um the new disc sounds incredible um it's also proof positive that that solo instrumental discs can hold your attention i mean there've been some that have been released and they haven't done that but this one consistently did that and the titles always make me laugh um you know the minimum wage one we've got one Chopping wood which was which was pretty uh it didn't it didn't uh for me, it sounded like that tune was almost like a, on a train or a spy movie. That one was really cool. But what was the story behind Smoke Break?
0: Well, well, well uh, you know, yeah, the, the, uh, thank you for that. And, you know, it's a very personal record for me. And um, you know, every time that I write a song, especially a solo bass song, you know, it's, it's meant to tell a story. And for as much as I'm known as for sort of being, you know, in, innovative bass techniques, the reason those exist is so that I can use more interesting vocabulary to tell a more interesting story to hope to keep the uh, the listener enthralled through a 50-minute solo bass record, right? Yeah. And uh, but no one ever asked me what the songs are about or uh, you know because they're all written about a person I met or a, a trip I was on or a book I read. They just asked me what kind of strings I use or some nonsense, you know. <laughs> um, and so on this record, I decided to put the cart before the horse and. Then, Explain, you know, why I wrote the songs and how it relates to the diary that I found, and, and a picture in every spot. So, smoke break was, you know, I found that I was, I t- took a year off and I went on sort of a, a journey of discovery and just traveled all over and I was keeping a journal and um, I was in a little, oh, that's the alert that we're supposed to do, our interview. Uh, so I found I was in a little hotel in the seaside town in, in Italy. And uh, I, was, I, looked, I, put the, I just finished reading a book, and I put it in the little lending library, because that's what I always do when I finish a book. I hide in the hotel. <laughs> and then I saw this other book, and it was in English, and it was a diary that someone had left there that was sort of on the same sort of journey as I was on. Um, and then it got weird because we'd actually been to some of the same places. I think the best state, same hotel. So Smoke Break was about um, um, one of us. And, you know, I mean, everyone spent a night in prison at some point in their lives, you know.
2: Oh, but, or
0: but, two. Or two. Yeah, or two. Right. I didn't say convicted of felony. I just said, you know, a night in the post. So, uh, but this guy that wrote the diary apparently was uh, was put away for, for about a week for his own good. And uh, he writes about the only time that he got to go out um, and, and see fresh air and see the sun was four times a day for smoke break. And uh, you could hear the uh, social worker walking down the marble hallway in her um, high heels, which gives you the little click on the loop there.
2: Yeah.
0: And then uh, you can imagine the excitement that will start to build around the ward when the smoke breaks, the approach.
2: Wow. I was going to ask you about that because the last time we chatted, you mentioned you were just about to embark on this, what you said then, then an 18-month physical and spiritual quest. And you teased us with, with Patrick Xavier. And, uh, and now we know who he is. And 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 so cool that you two shared a lot of places in common.
0: It's just kind of creepy. I mean, maybe it's you know maybe maybe we're the same person. From, maybe there are multiverses, you know, and it just sort of all got tangled up there. But you know, I, I think it's it's not an uncommon thing for 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 uh, men of a certain age to sort of uh, start thinking about the big questions and go on a chit or a walk about to figure it out. Uh, but it was it was kind of cool. And like I said, and it really, I had had the idea. Of doing a solo-based record and sort of keeping a journal, which I did during my travels. But when, when, when this came up, it just sort of a whole had a whole cool, different angle. I mean, like like he there's a song on the on piece on the album called "The Weeping Beach." That's that's really you know there's some real stretches on this record. That's a really mellow, sort of minimalist piece. And um, he wrote about one of his favorite places in London, which is a tree in Hyde Park. And I happened to be in London uh, going to see some friends play at Albert Hall. So I actually went to the, the, the tree and sat there for an hour and uh, you read, read the light else and you'll, you know, and that's what that song was about. It was so cool.
2: So just to recap, you may have been Patrick Xavier in another life, perhaps, and then you're coming back to these touch points in his life now in your life and maybe reconnecting in some weird way.
0: It could be. There's a lot of stuff going on that we don't know about. I mean, certainly the the weirdest track on the album is, is the Ballad of Billy Pilgrim. And, of course, Billy Pilgrim was, was the character from Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five who became unstuck in time, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's the whole concept that time is not linear, and I shouldn't put that because when you talk about places, you know, I go to places that I've been and certain events that have happened in those spots are still occurring on some sort of electromagnetic spiritual psychic level you know and i go there and i can still like those moments from what happened there still exist at those spots right yeah It doesn't mean they're necessarily happened in the past or in the future or now right Uh,
2: amazing we we are so far away from what type of you know bass strings you use but
1: (laughs) I like we'll that. Get there, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, no,
2: never. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that we were chatting, and you were you were uh, touring the Book of Lies, and that was the last time we spoke. And I remember you teasing us with Patrick Xavier. But are you just bursting with ideas nonstop?
0: Well, man, I'm blessed. I mean, thank God, and maybe maybe literally, thank God. You know, I still I've been able to do what I do because I I like to practice, I like to work, and and every now and then I just get ideas, right? And it's it's pretty rewarding from sort of, you know, I mean, this record is was done 100% just me, except for the wonderful people who contributed to the Indiegogo campaign that made the whole thing just really, you know, took it to the next level. But, you know, it's, it's a rewarding thing. It's not solitary to have this concept and then just through through sheer sorts of will, get it done and, and make everything happen and make all the decisions, and now the copies are in my hand and it's available you know, for iTunes, where I make no money off it, and Spotify, and it's gone
2: out there, you know. And and this CD was conceived and completed in in the the ever-evolving new music industry where you crowdfunded it and, and the subsequent tour. tour. Um, and I, I have to acknowledge and applaud you, because it went over goal. So congratulations on that.
0: Oh, man, I, I tell you, it, it made such a huge difference, because as you can imagine... Uh, you know, Sony's not—you know—beating down my door to give me fifty grand to do a solo bass record about a diary. You know,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and so it's self-funded, which which is great. And my audience is what my audience is. Maybe I can reach a, a slightly larger audience on on this record. But you know, since I'm financing myself, you often are forced to sort of cut corners. But with uh, the great success of the crowdfunding, I was able to you know hire you know hire a great graphic artist and. Just little things like you know it costs maybe thousand bucks to print up a thousand copies if you have a two page booklet, uh, and it costs you know maybe eighteen hundred if you have an eight page booklet. And I was like, well, I'm going to tell my stories, yeah. so I was able to put that money into the packaging and the better artwork, and to pay a little more for the mastering, you know, hire someone really good to do it. And it just it made it just made the whole thing um, great, man. It was, it was such a wonderful success, and, and the the people that I've met that yeah, it was just awesome really
2: pleased. It's so cool that you can sort of handle all of that and be the executive producer and the graphic artist and, and figure out your grand vision without, you know, on the other hand, without a, a record company hanging over your shoulder going, dude, you can't spend 2500 bucks on that, or, or we'll spend it for you, but you owe it to us in the future.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to have people, you have to have l- listen to people like Julian Luz- Luzignan, uh, the the graphic artist guy. I had my ideas of what I wanted, but He's a graphic artist guy, yeah. So I would send it to him, and he's like, "Well, actually, you know, you're a bass player, and I'm a graphic artist, and I think this might work better." And I trust him enough to say, "Okay, let me see it." And I ultimately liked what he went with, you know. Um, and uh, the same with my longtime engineer and producer, James Bobleck. You have to have someone objectively say, "You know, hey man, you're starting to suck now. Do something else, or that's great, you're done," you know?
2: Yeah, yeah nailed it. Cool. Yeah. Phew, I could use a smoke break. How about you, Stu?
0: (laughs) Well, I don't smoke that much anymore. I had one last night. I had about half one last
2: night. Okay, so i am going to make some tea. We're going to stop for a second and and play a track from your new uh, record. This is Smoke Break from Stu Hamm's brand new disc, The Diary of Patrick Xavier, in the final vault. Miller back in the vinyl vault with uh, Stu Hamm, bassist extraordinaire and uh, solo artist these days. And he's playing on a bunch of stuff. We're going to get to that as well. Um, so I have to say, and, and the words I'm going to use are, oh my. For those of you unfamiliar with the beautiful Italian language, Buonanotte, amoro, mia, ovunque, tu sia, loosely translates to good day, my love, wherever you are.
1: I have bon to say, that,
2: tra- that, that track. Um, produced a spiritual moment for me when I first heard it. Um, what what is oh, that track about? Who is that track about? Where, when? I, I need to know.
0: Oh man, that, that's great. That, that that's sweet. Yeah, that, that's another song that just wrote itself. I mean, I, I um, for for the bass geek things, I had um, some of the techniques of the sliding harmonic things are, are sort of directly ripped off from Michael Mannering, right? right. Okay. Uh, this wonderful version he does of uh, The Enormous Room based on the E.E. Cummings poem. Uh, so I had, sort of had been experimenting with not near the level he does it, but he just does these things where he hits harmonics and, and, and flips the, um, uh, um, what do you call it, hip shot yep. and, and stuff. So, But that's not music, right? That's just sort of like a technique think I'm working on. And then when I found this guy's diary, he wrote, he wrote a poem in the diary. And so what I tried to do in the melody of that was, uh... you know, word for word, write the melody. You know, if if you could sing or write lyrics, that would be the, the worst. This poem you wrote, and and uh... that I wrote that in this little hotel I was staying at in Italy, where I found the diary, and it was one of the touchstones, and first things I wrote. And what I liked about it is the ambiguity of the the, the, the the title is "Goodnight, My Love." You know, my true love, wherever you are. Yep. Now, is he saying? you know, like, you know, good night to his true love, and he's wondering where she is, or is he saying, like, where where in the world is my true love, and when will I meet her, right? Where is she? Yeah. That's just sort of the, the ambiguity I was trying to get across, but, yeah, that that was, that was, uh, I came across great. I, I recorded that on one of my old Washburn basses, because I had to tune the E down to D, and then hip shot it down to C. Oh, wow. And there's, the, the action was so low, that that's what gives it, I kept thinking that there was compression on it, because it just has this really cool, uh, the, the, the way the strings were so low, they were vibrating, almost like they were sympathetic strings. And uh, that one, you know, it, again, that, that was, I love it. There's some songs that I struggled with. There's three songs that, that I wanted to get on the record that I just couldn't couldn't finish the last 15%. But about two or three of them just wrote themselves, and I recorded them, and it was just a moment in time. You know, it was great.
2: Very oh, sweet. I, that that one in Hello, too, got to me. uh Wow. Those are, I don't know, maybe they're, they're more sparse, they're more legato, they're more, I don't know, uh, just, wow, get to you really deep.
0: I'm trying, you know, I mean, I, I listen to it, the, there's, a, there's a website called Hearts of Space, you know, there used to be a, uh, a radio show on NPR that's called Slow Music for Fast Times. Hmm. And obviously there's a, a movement called postmodernist Minimalism of people like uh, Ludovico Enaudi and Arvo Parts. And, you know, uh, in, a, in a way, Phil Glass and, and those guys. And it's just sort of a different way of thinking about music. And, and, and a song like Weeping Beach, you know, it's really meant to sort of occupy a long period of time and sort of the repetition and the way it grows. It's a different way of thinking about composing a music, a song, and how it develops over time and the emotional and physical response it has to listen to music. Man, I, One of the last records I bought is a, a record by a, a German... Composer named Max Richter. It's called Sleep, and it's eight hours of music. Okay, and and it's meant it's 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 on it's on Deutsche Grammophon, and it's sort of meant to be put on when you go to sleep, and then you wake up to pee, and it's sort of the same theme, but it's just so gradually, slowly evolving over time that I swear I put it on, and your your blood pressure and pulse rate go down. You know the physical effect of, of music that is so slowly evolving. You know, in such a, a turbulent world that seems to be just imploding on itself, I think is a, a noble effort.
2: I could uh, I could say, yeah, we definitely need more stuff like Michael Mannering and, and your CD to help us decompress from the day, because it's really, uh, um, it's hectic, and, and, and we're listening, kids, especially younger kids, are listening to this thumping, thumping, thumping music, and it really doesn't yeah. allow you to calm down. But what's the track that has that that eerie, dark synthesizer note on it? To start with, is it Ballad of Billy oh, Pilgrim? That's,
1: that,
0: that, well, that's that's the, one, that's the Ballad of Billy Pilgrim yeah. that is about the waves of time crashing over. It's basically just volume swells and heavy distortion, you yeah. know. And that's that's the one that I worried about because, in, in ways, that's one of my favorite records. And I'm just so worried that people will get to that track and, and demand their money back, you know, and say this isn't music, but, but I,
2: I like it. Yeah, it's it's uh, a left turn, Clyde, as I like to say. It's like a little little detour <laughs> to take you off the path, but I love it.
1: So thank
2: you very much. <laughs> um, so, uh, a couple more questions. You're, you're playing the Garrison soon. You're also playing the legendary Tralf and Buffalo, which is pretty cool. I haven't been down there forever. But uh, not only did you successfully fundraise for this CDN tour, but you also offered some pretty sweet perks like a sound check and a and a Tell us a little bit about, about coming up with that.
1: Well,
0: I mean, again, I, I'd rather give credit to my buddy uh, uh, James Bobweck, my producer and engineer, for just even inventing that you're know, turning me on to um, to the Indiegogo thing and you know you gotta come up with creative ways and I, and I tried to think of things of number one of make, get people's money Yep. right and um, you, you also have to remember that there are there like rich people out there right who would think nothing like if I can find that right Joe Satriani fan lawyer who would think nothing of you know dropping 1500 bucks to have me come over to his house and you know play I'll, I'll do that right you know so um, you have to have a wide range of things, and one of the a buddy of mine, Bobby Rock, who plays with with gosh, um, Alcatraz and um, Graham Bonnet, real rock, great rock drummer. Yeah. But one of the bands he plays in is uh, Nelson, the kids of the uh, <laughs> yeah. 50s TV stars, right? And they've got like you know a legion of like older female fans who will he was telling me would pay a thousand bucks to be roadie for a day, right? To like just show up and like get a laminate and be backstage and um, you know, go get Jimmy a cup of water, you know, and have a couple quick selfies. And now everyone does the VIP package where they just sort of get in and take a picture and they're shuffled off. Um, so I figured out this great conway, way to con people to pay me to be my roadie for a day. Because, you know, the the difficult thing with this is, is this is me doing one hundred percent of everything, you know, a call the club, trying to figure out what time to load in, driving there, but load my shit in my soft stuff. My stuff. Sorry, no myself it's Okay, and um, and then plan, and then sort of after the gig, you know, directly jumping off stage, try to sell merch, and then uh, people want to talk to me, and then the club owners are anxious to get out of there, and then I've got to pack my gear up and settle with the club owner and load my gear out, and, you know, yeah. twenty-seven times in thirty days. So uh, for a, a nominal fee, and some people sign up for it, they get to be my rookie, okay, and I think I. I you know, if Stanley Clark had come to town when I was a kid and I had the chance to do that, to wrap his porch for him and have dinner with him and hang on at Soundcheck and help him set up his gear and, and sort of just be around him and pick his brain, I would have jumped at it. No kidding. You know? So I really think that that, that has uh, the people that have signed up for it have uh, been two so far. Jonathan and Mary Ellen have really been great. And I, I just think they, they got their money's worth out of it. And it, it sure helped me to just take the load off for a year or two.
2: As a, as a former roadie, I'd probably want to actually plug something in or carry something. I mean, it just—it's—it's it's in my <laughs> nature. Um, I'm loving—I'm loving the vids that you're posting on Facebook, whether it's a tour update or it's a, "Hey, I'm watching a movie at 9 a.m." Uh, you know. But you've also got some some big news too. You got some new gear. You've got a new sponsor, Mark Base Amps.
0: I do. I had this. Yeah, they—they they finally got me, and we, uh, you know, um, there. Uh, Mark has been talking to me forever about you know coming over to them, and then we decided to do. Like their version into a rock world, because I think most people that play Mark Bass and what they're known for is sort of that that post jocko bridge pickup nasally mid-rangey yep. sort of sound. You know, not, not not slamming it at all, but you think of guys like Jeff Berlin or Alain Perrone or Hadrian Farrell, it's sort of that you know that that, that post jocko mid-rangey thing, right? So yep. oh, I'm saying, well, let's let's get something that sort of you know would would appeal more to a rock player and the first thing is, is let's make a, a bigger head with cool whites on it and big knobs. There's no real rock guy is, is really going to get up there with a teeny little head because it just doesn't look cool. Right? And that's a big part of it is looking cool. So <laughs>
1: that's I half the battle.
2: What's that? That's half the battle, isn't it? You get up there and go oh, this guy's cool. Let's listen to him.
0: Well, part of the reason I play bass is because when I was a kid I went... There's a rock band playing at the tennis courts in Eisner Park by my house, and I rode my bike over there. The bass player had a green center bass with a matching headstock with a white curly cord into one of those custom amps with the, with the padding on the side of oh. the chrome portholes. And I was like, oh, my God, that is the coolest thing ever.
2: It looks like somebody's and backseat so was- <laughs> from the station wagon that they pulled out and, you know, put some speakers in it.
0: Oh, man. So so then when I when, when I was in Pescara working on the... Um, the head, they said, Hey, we've got this new camera we want to check you out. And they said, It's 215s. And I said, Nah, there's no way, man. I've got to have definition of four by tens. And uh, they played it, but it's just, you know, the, there's a horn in it. And whatever this guy is, the, the engineer's name is Sassino. He's just a genius. We'll, though we argue about cables, but don't get me started on that because we talk for an hour about wire. Okay. But um, they played these those, and, and it's just, it's got a really great definition with an incredible low end, and it's really lightweight, and it's not quite as big as an eight by ten, but it's just it's wonderful, wonderful sounding. And um, and yes, I have um, tomorrow actually. I was supposed to. I'm in um, Long Island, going to be doing some stuff uh, with Zoom. Where, you know, I've designed some sounds for their B3N pedal board that I use on the tour. And I'm going to be going. I'm supposed to be going to their corporate offices today, but there's a nor'easter going on. And uh, when I arrive there, my new bass will be there, which is a hand-built ham Warwick. Base, but this is the Doctor Strange face uh, okay. that has a light up eye of Agamotto on it between the pickups, and it's just it's a geeks delight. And uh, I've I met a friend. That's a friend who worked at Marvel, so he posted in Marvel. Actually, liked my Instagram post. So I'm thinking I've got a cameo in, in Avengers Four. You know, they're going to fly me out tomorrow, and I'll start filming. And I'm just geeks to
2: it out. You're, you're ready to go. I think I commented on that post that um, I think Tony Stark needs to book you for one of his private parties. You'd be the entertainment. <laughs>
0: he, he can I'd, I'd take his
2: money. <laughs> He's got good he, money. He would, he would,
0: he, he, would take, he would pay me 20, 30 grand to do a house party. And I would say, okay,
2: Tony, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll settle for that. No no worries. Will
0: you pay for, you, will you pay for gas to him, buy me
2: dinner? i Free parking? You had me at free parking. A <laughs> uh, couple more questions. I'm going to let you go enjoy the rest of that snowstorm. Um, I have to ask the last time we chatted, you mentioned that your agent was trying to book you on Mrs. Falbo's Tiny Town. And I have to ask, has there been any progress <laughs> on that front?
0: You know, I got booked, but then Mel's Rockpile called me, and um, I, I agreed to do that. And then I got there, and Mel was gone, and okay. it has been turned into a container store. You know, and uh, so both gigs fell through. Can you believe that?
2: I'd like to see you on Fish and Musician. I, th- I thought I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but uh, that that was pretty funny. I think I could have seen you on that for sure.
0: I haven't did that, but I've interviewed. You know, something when I when I do a Facebook post, I'll, I'll look for like you know if I'm playing Philadelphia, you will look Philadelphia base society, but I've inadvertently tagged, you know, bass fishermen, you know.
2: <laughs> Who are completely I confused. No one
0: showed up to the gig thinking that I was going to talk about lures yet, but, you know, once in once hope. <laughs>
2: um, when was the last time you were starstruck?
0: Uh, the last time I was starstruck. Um, you know, it's funny because I, in, in the, the music world, I've sort of met... You know, but it's just it's just ridiculous really. It's it's stupid. Because I'm just, you know, this this little kid. Um, and I remember writing in my first year at Berkeley, uh guitar player magazine poll: best rock place player, Chris Squire, best jazz place player, Stanley Clark. And you know, now Stanley's like a buddy of mine. You know, we go out to dinner and, and I've been to his house and he lets me play his bass and before Chris Squire died I gave a wrote a speech that were you know, the, before he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and it's just you know, it's just ridiculous, you know. So um, uh, most musicians, I, I sort of on the you know, I realize that we're all just sort of on the, the same level, you know. Some guys are a little more serious about their rock starness, but um, you know, I'm 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 pretty confident in my musical skills, so um, you know, I'm not I'm not too uh, embarrassed that way. But but I've reached out to a couple um, authors and one um, artist that I really like. And when I, when I got, like, a, a, a an email back from them, I was floored. And then I, I think I blew it by t- answering back too enthusiastically, and now they think I'm, like, a, a stalker, and I haven't heard back, and I think I blew it.
2: And I was so excited. Oh, I can imagine that's. Uh, but, no, it's good. And, and it's also good that you're... I'm finding a lot of musicians, as they achieve more wisdom and, um, you know, success, and, and they do different things, They they really want to be more in touch with their fans and, and that's good to see that, that especially you I mean you're you're doing the VIPs the meet and greets and yeah there's an aspect there where you're hoping to sell some merch but it's really great to, to reach out with the people that are so impacted by what you do.
0: Well it, it's important because I, I remember like there's a uh, at uh, I have enough connections where I can get tickets to Comic Con. No, I don't have the connections where I get invited to all the Marvel pre-parties or anything But but I remember you know waiting in line To meet, I bought a sketchbook by one of my favorite comic book artists, and I waited in line. And um, he's a a Mexican guy, and I was going to mention that you know that he maybe heard about me, you know that I played with you know the the Mexican pop band Chebani's, and we were become good buddies and all that. And then I waited in line, I got up there, and he was just sort of looked at me and said, "What's your name?" and was talking to someone else and scribbled my name and tossed it at me. Blew me off, and I felt awful. Yeah, you know. So, uh, you know, when someone comes up to me, ma'am, I mean, you know, but at the end of the day, you take an extra ten seconds to look them in the face and shake their hand and find out what their name is and take a selfie, right? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, at least you can do.
2: Last question. Um, <clears throat> last time when we chatted, uh, I asked you the one person you'd want to have a chat with, again, living or dead, and, and you said your dear departed dad. So Absolutely, this, yeah. This time I want to ask you, who's still on your, your bucket list of someone you'd like to write or record or do a gig with?
0: Oh man. I oh, man, you know, wish lists are so funny because I'm 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 pretty much a realist, you know? I mean I don't wouldn't really um f- hope for something that would be unattainable, right? Mm. You know, like Jan Gabarek, boy, it would be great, but I just don't think it's gonna happen. You know, he's older and Sort of music um, that would be great. Um, I don't know. How about the person I haven't met yet? The next person I meet that's going to inspire me. I mean, I'm, that's true. Again, I'm so fortunate. I've got to play with you know Dennis Chambers and and you know Alex Skolnick and I are going to be doing a project together again. And I look forward to writing with him. And um, I don't know, but, you know Jeff Beck, but you know he only hires attractive female bass players, so that doesn't. Of I don't a, think I can do that. I
2: have a certain vintage, yes. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, well, that was a great chat. I appreciate it. Stuham. thanks again for spending some time with us in the Vinyl Vault, and uh, hopefully we'll run into you at the Garrison on March the 28th, or I think you're the 27th or 26th sixth. You're in Buffalo at the Tralf, Uh on yeah, your yeah. Songs and Stories tour. So you're going to do yeah, some... Yeah, it's
0: of- going to be great. I think they have me working real hard. I think I'm doing like a clinic in the afternoon, and then a show. I'm not sure how that works, but uh, you know, I've got some good friends in Toronto, and um, just have, you know, love great memories, like I said, of playing Massey Hall with Joe, and and um, the uh, Ben Gold here at the CBC Studios and, and so so can't wait man and thanks for taking the time Todd and your questions are always wonderful and I'm glad you like the record and I hope to see everyone down there at uh, the Garrison
2: absolutely and uh, thanks again for taking some time and we will prop you up on stage if we need to
0: <laughs> awesome man sounds great thanks Stu okay bye hey Toronto this is Stu Hamm and you're listening to my new release The Diary of Patrick Xavier on the Vinyl
1: Vault with Todd Miller <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.
2: Back a few years there for uh, Prelude and Sea from Kings of Sleep and Stuart Ham. Just wanted to let you know again, remind you that uh, Stu is on his Songs and Stories tour. He's playing Toronto uh, The Garrison on March the 28th. For all tour details, head over to stewham.com and click on tour to see where he's playing near you. Thanks again to Stu Ham and Glass Onion PR for setting up this wonderful little chat with Stu Ham. Thanks for tuning in to The Vinyl Vault. I'm your host, Todd Miller. We'll be back next week with our normal programming, which is kind of off the wall. We play anything and everything from the vinyl era. If you'd like to get in touch, the email address is feedback at radio that doesn't suck.com or call us 1-866-269-6155. We'll catch you right back here next week.
1: Initiating shutdown, shutdown, shutdown
2: sequence. sequence You've been listening to Don Rivers Vital Vault on Radio That Doesn't Suck.com Produced at Faders on Stun Studios, Toronto, Canada for Radio That Doesn't Suck.com Executive Producers
1: Don River and Don River and Don River River